Hello, and welcome to the podcast, A Voice for the Hurting. This is season three, a season dedicated entirely to stories of how God is faithful through the roughest times in our lives. I truly believe that we can gain in faith and hope through other people's stories and testimonies. So pull up a chair, listen closely, and be encouraged by today's story. All right. So it is my pleasure today to introduce Carrie Bach, a fellow podcaster and a uh, counselor for By the Well Counseling. Hello, Carrie, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to tell us a little bit about your life and your story and how God has been faithful to you. Yeah, well, you know, life was just kind of cruising along uh, in my world. You know, it was kind of like trying to reach certain goals for myself. I knew that um, I was married and I knew that I wanted to have a family. And at the time, you know, my husband at the time and I had decided that the way we were going to build our family was by adopting through foster care. So we went through the classes together and we got you know, on the list and receive the calls to have children in our home. And the first two girls, we really thought were going to stay a long time. They called us mom and dad. They were connected to us. It just felt like a good fit. That's the only thing that I can say is it just seemed like, yeah, this is meant to be together. And, you know, unfortunately, the Department of Children's Services had told us some things and led us to believe that they were going to be able to be a long-term placement. Unfortunately, after about six weeks, we got a call that they had to go back to their previous living situation. It was very sudden. It was very traumatic to lose that placement. Um, That's not typical of foster care situations. But in this case, there happened to be a court case that we didn't know about. And so as a result of the department losing that court case, the children were removed immediately. We had other children um, come in and out of our home. And then we received a placement of a boy and a girl who were, I believe, at the time, probably maybe uh, six and ten, somewhere in there age ranges. It's been a little while, so now I'm having a hard time <laughs> remembering, but yeah, we we were going through the process with them. They had been with us for probably about four or five months, and then we got to a point where we had been down to see my family for Christmas. It was in that period in between Christmas, New Year's, and, you know, my husband at the time was just kind of quiet. He was a little bit more withdrawn on family vacation. I wasn't quite sure, you know, but I didn't really think anything of it. And one of the first weekends that we were back, I woke up in the morning on a Saturday. There was a letter there from him, you know, just seemed kind of like a down letter was saying that he was going to be gone for the weekend. And so here I am having to explain to two foster children you know, okay, well, he's not going to be here this weekend. It's just going to be us and taking care of them. And I received a call when he was on his way back into town. I go into my bathroom uh, so the kids can't hear what's going on. And that was when he told me that he wanted a divorce. Wow. So, 
here I am completely shocked because in my mind, I knew that our marriage wasn't perfect. I knew that there were things we were trying to work on together. Um, I knew that we had had our bumps in the road. At the same time, I didn't realize that divorce was where it was going. I didn't realize that that was what was on his mind or his intention. So, and, and it was kind of at that point, it was like, no to counseling, no to talking to the pastor, no to any kind of reconciliation. And I know that that's some people's processes. It's kind of like there's a slow buildup, but where they go to counseling or different things. But for my situation, it was just very, a very sudden cutoff yeah. um, of not wanting anything else to do with me. So that rejection pain was really hard. Uh, to take in and the lack of control, just there was nothing that I could do about that at that point Um, in that process of because I couldn't support the foster children on my own, trying to figure out what to do with the house, you know, what is my living situation going to be? So we ended up sending the, you know, foster children to another foster home. Right. That was very hard. And I'm sure was traumatic for them as well, that there was a sense of, of guilt of even being a part of that. And um, through that process, though, of, of looking at myself like, okay, well, now I'm going to be divorced. It wasn't my choice. It wasn't something that I wanted. And honestly, I was so devastated. That's the only thing, emotion that I could ascribe it to, because I thought my life was over. Right. Literally, I just thought this is the end for me. Here I am, um, a very strong Christian, a very dedicated person, goes to church every Sunday, and now I'm slapped with this label, this scarlet letter of divorce. Um, no man is going to want me because I'm divorced. These were all thoughts that were going through my mind, you know, almost like I'm in the church and I'm damaged goods now. Um, my God. I was so confused by the whole ordeal. I had a lot of spiritual wrestling because I said, okay, God, I can look back and I can see that you clearly put this man in my life for a reason and a purpose. I know that we were supposed to be married and get together. I didn't, you know, I, I felt frustrated because in my mind, I was like, okay, God, I did like all the stuff I was supposed to do, like the good little Christian girl stuff. Like I married the guy that was in church. I didn't, um, you know, just date around to date around. I, I waited for marriage to have sex. I did all these things that I, I felt like you called me and wanted me to do. And it turned out awful. Like, how can this possibly be? And what God showed me through that process was that people have free will. They yeah. have choices that they make. And there are things that happen in life because we live in a fallen world, because there's sin that, you know, relationships don't always survive. And in this situation, it was something that was done to me. It wasn't something that I did or I wanted. Yeah. So this makes me think of a couple questions. Let's see if I can get through them. Um, first, was he a Christian also when everything happened? He's still going to church and everything? He was. He was a Christian. Um I mean, I don't know if, where he's at in his relationship with God right now. But, yes, we were attending church every Sunday. 
people, when I told them about it, they were like, of all the couples, we had no idea. We never would have thought that would have happened. It, it was very shocking, not just for myself, but for other people around us. I don't think in that process anyone said to me, oh, yeah, well, we knew that was not going to last or something right. like that. Nobody had those those kind of comments. No. Yeah. Um, I know you said that it really came out of left field and that you knew you had issues. Did the D word, <laughs> did that ever come up in any arguments at all? No, that was the crazy part about it because when my perspective of divorce before I went through it was like, oh, well, people who get divorced, honestly, was a, I was a little judgmental about it. I thought maybe they're not trying hard enough or they're not seeking out help, like they're not going to spiritual leadership or to counseling. They're, they're throwing that word out casually in arguments. That was never the case. Divorce never came up in, in our arguments or conversations beforehand. And honestly, it had kind of gotten to that point in the relationship where it was so passive, you stop arguing. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how unhappy he was. And I think that was my fault. Part of my sin in the relationship, things that I had to take ownership for was um, I just kind of rolled through like everything was good unless you clearly tell me that it's not instead of just trying to be maybe a little bit more proactive in making sure that his needs were getting met in the relationship. And I think he had been suffering for some time of, of needs not getting met in the relationship. Yeah, I think that's really common with with relationships. It's the lack of communication when it just comes out of nowhere. And yeah, you, you don't know where it came from, right? How did your church respond? You know, they really were great in a lot of ways. Um, I sat down and there was a, like a marriage and family pastor um, that did a lot of counseling. Like he was in a really a pastoral role, but his main thing that he did was counseling with people. And he did a lot of like marriage mentorship type and classes, those types of things. Um, and I sat down with him a couple of times and just talked through the process of everything that was going on. It was helpful and affirming because he was able to, I don't remember what he said. That was a long time ago, but I do remember feeling like he was telling me, you know, there's a lot of ways that you could have handled this that you didn't handle it. You know, you could have gone out and, you know, used a bunch of alcohol or you could have turned away from God or you could have, you know, done things that were immoral and you chose not to do that. And so you're you're handling this really well in a more like healthy process kind of way by trying to stay connected to God and just really validating how painful my experience was, even though that wasn't anything that he'd been through. He knew other people or had worked with other people in the church, obviously who'd been through divorce. So. Yeah. Was anyone responding negatively in your whole life, not just the church? But. You know, um, this wasn't negative, but there were people that were more flippant about it. And that was hard too. Um, people made comments like, oh, when I got a divorce, I threw a party or, oh yeah, that's your starter marriage. I remember people saying certain things like that. Um, and 
it, it was almost like, no, I really took my vows seriously. Like I had planned to be with this person for the rest of my life. This wasn't something that I was just kind of playing around with. So those comments kind of bothered me. Yeah. Um, I think going from being married in my particular church context, going from being married to being a single woman, that was, it wasn't about me being divorced. It was more about me being single and not being a male, I really felt uh, very different about. And I can't, it's hard to explain that because some things are just very subtle. Mm -hmm. And are people really doing it? Or is it more just you're feeling it? And sometimes it's hard to feel your way through that. But I think there was a lot of insecurity about that because um, of so much teaching on in that tradition on male headship that type of thing. And so then I'm like, okay, well, where does that leave me? Cause you're always talking about family and children and marriage and I'm single now. And so I ended up leaving the particular church that I was going to because of some of that. Yeah. Um, I want to back up to those, the flippant comments really quick, just because um, I just recently did a recording with someone that was talking about people trying to remove themselves from your pain. Wow. Yeah. And when they make comments like that, yeah, it's, it's like they don't want to feel the sadness and maybe they think they're trying on some level to keep you from feeling it. But what they're really doing is, yeah, just shutting down any connection to the pain that you're feeling is, which is hard. I think that like from both sides, we need to hear that of uh, those of us who have gone through it and are divorced. Cause I had a few people make comments like that too. Um, but also friends on the other side, you know, if you know someone who's going through divorce, trying your best to hear them and be with them and not to remove yourself from their pain. Cause they yeah. need people, you know? Yeah. Understand that it's a different experience for every person that goes through it, because for some people, they had they've been separated a long time before they got divorced and they had some time to grieve and work through some things, whereas I didn't have that. There was no like lead time. And because he made that decision, he gave himself that lead time to grieve. Like he was able to grieve the relationship lost before I was. So I think everyone's situation is so, so different that it's better probably to just ask a person, well, how are you dealing with that? Or how do you feel about it? Instead of just making an assumption that it was a good or a bad thing for someone. Right. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. How did you process that the pain from the divorce in general? Let's go to that. Yeah. So one of the things that I did was I got in a divorce care support group, saved my life. I mean, I I don't know any other way to say that. Uh, And through the divorce care program, they also had a daily email that you could sign up for. And it emailed you every single day for a year that was just such a lifeline to get that encouragement. I get, I think they were just like little devotionals or things about divorce for Christians. So I looked forward to that email every day. I looked forward to once a week for, you know, however many weeks I went to go 
and it was really cool because in my divorce care class, a lot of us were in the same stage and phase of life. We were younger women who didn't have children and we were wondering, okay, are we going to be able to have children? Is it going to be too late for us by the time that we find another spouse? And, and so there was some wrestling and things about that. Um, a couple, I know one of the other ladies, she also had a very shocking divorce. Um, you know, it was kind of a com- sudden and complete shock to her as well. So that helped me a ton. I read a book called um, Runaway Husbands, which was healing. And just it's I think when you're going through things like this, you really gravitate towards I've got to I've got to either listen talk to, read about somebody else that's been here, somebody else, give me the roadmap to get out of this because it's so dark and it's, it feels so lonely and isolating. Obviously when you go through divorce, you know, like, okay, you know, you're not the only person that's been through it, but in your particular situation, there may be some aspect of it that feels super isolating, whether it's that being in the church part or whether it's the, the suddenness of it. So the the Runaway Husbands book was really great because it felt really validating of what I went through. And this lady had it happen to her and she ended up doing a bunch of research on it and found many other people that that had it happen to them as well. So that was great. Um, And then I just went there were just so many times where I just went to the park and I was outside and I would sing songs or I would pray to God and. God just met me there, just in in that uh, being out in nature, just in that place of healing. I'm getting emotional thinking about it because there were just times where I just knew, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't know anything, but I knew God was right there. Like, that was all I needed to know. Like, God was right there. Yes. You know? Beautiful. Honestly. Yeah. God spoke to me the same way too. Very often I would go like to the park that's close to our house and um, and just sit there and talk to God and like, same thing. Like I love to sing. So I, you know, sing and, and that's where God really comforted me the most, you know, when I was Mm -hmm. alone and yeah, yeah, just feeling his presence. Yeah. And I just found that God, almost like I had put God in this box of if like a genie, like if I do this, God will do that. And if I follow this path, everything will be fine. And I realize God is so much bigger than that. But that's a good thing because we can we can embrace the mystery. We don't have to be afraid of it. And we don't always have to have all the answers. That was what I one of the things I learned through that process was, you know, we're not ever going to get all the answers on this side of heaven. You know, it says in the Bible, like we're looking through the glass dimly, you know, and and one day, you know, praise God, we're going to see Jesus face to face. And that's going to be a beautiful thing. But here on earth, we don't, we don't get the whole map. We don't get the whole picture of everything that God is doing. It's like we get one little puzzle piece and, you know, sometimes we're in a, in, a, in the corner going, this is a really dark puzzle piece. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't see how it fits in with anything else, you know, that's, that's going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, what would you say to someone who finds themselves in that dark puzzle piece right now? Yeah, I would just say, you know, 
God is there for you and for all of your feelings. You know, if there's just days like you're mad at him, he's okay with that. You know, if there's days where you just cry and you have no words, but like, I just need you, like God understands that, you know, the, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Um, it also says, and so even if we don't have the words to pray, the Holy Spirit fills in that gap and he knows exactly what we need. And if we are seeking that connection with God, um, you know, he will draw near to us as well as we draw near to him. It's just so I remember, um, you know, a couple songs were really popular at the time I went through my divorce. And one was um, a Jeremy Camp song called He Knows, you know, and it's just like he knows everything, like all the pain, the suffering like he knows, and then um, the the uh, song, I think it's by Carrie, Carrie Job maybe, or somebody, that I am not alone, you know, yes. and, and you go before me, and you never leave me, and so those songs would come on the radio, and that just resonated with me so much, I would just sing that really loud, and it's, it's interesting that to this day, like God spoke to me th- through those two songs, and that music, and, um, and just remembering God's promises, that was one thing I I clung to at the very beginning of my divorce. I was like, okay, it's almost like you don't know anything anymore. Not that you don't know anything, but, but what I thought I knew was like so shattered that I said, okay, what is it that I know? And I I went not intentionally like went back to scripture and pick these uh, specific um, promises, but I think God brought these promises to mind, you know, okay, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So it was like my husband left me, but God never left me. And so I really clung on to that promise. And then I clung on to the promise of um, Romans 8:28, which is God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I thought, I love you and I know I'm called. And so this verse applies to me um, and you're going to work this for good. And I don't understand it and I don't know how, but I'm going to cling on to those, you know, those two things wholeheartedly. And um, that helped me a lot too. I would just kind of go back to that. Okay, somehow this is going to be a part of my testimony. You know, God's going to work it for good. And so my life, thank God, was not over. <laughs> I'm so glad that, that you know, I didn't do anything. I wasn't suicidal. It wasn't like that. But, um, you know, we can get in those dark places, even as Christians. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't be suicidal if you're a Christian. You certainly can, you know. And I just, I just remember just feeling like nothing good was ever going to come out of it but going back to that promise like okay something good is going to come out is a part of my testimony and now you know I share basically my story on the first episode of my podcast in several like hundreds of people have listened to that now I've been on other podcasts sharing my story so God's used this in my life in a way that had you told me back then like in that dark moment like God's going to use you and you're going to be speaking to like large audiences about your story. I would have been like, no, I'm not like, (laughs) right? (laughs) no way. Hang that up. I don't want to do that. But it's just, it's just incredible. Like how God's, how God's used that. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite thing that I feel like God has impressed upon my life, especially within these last eight to 10 years is that he doesn't waste anything. You know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And these things that we would rather forget or we would rather not have ever happened in our lives. He has a plan for them, you know, and it's good. And yeah. we can show people the comfort that we've gotten from God, you know? 
Yeah, that's one of my favorite verses too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's actually the verse that I used when I was creating this podcast because, or like the entire podcast, um, yeah. because like so many people think they're alone, and you know, I I actually thought that I was going to be the only divorced Christian that I knew, which is also mm-hmm. crazy because I do know more. I just at the time felt alone. Yeah. And, and then, um, God introduced me to five other divorced ladies right within my church that I didn't even wow. know were divorced and, you know, just incrementally introduced me to them and showed me that I wasn't alone, showed mm-hmm. me that he's been faithful in their lives and through their stories right. and guaranteed me that he would be there for mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you want to hear the rest of the story? Yes, I do. Sorry. <laughs> We'll find so, rabbit trails, right? <laughs> yeah, no, like got out of the dark, got out of the dark woods. So yeah. I lived uh, single for a little while. It was so funny because one of the books I read when I was going through my divorce, and I don't remember the title of it because I threw the book across the room. Um, <laughs> the reason I threw it across the room was it said the average person takes about four years to, uh, you know, recover from their divorce. And I was like, four years, you know, I'm already in my early thirties. Like I don't have four years. I want to, <laughs> you know, be able to have a family and all this stuff. And I chucked the book across the room and I was just like angry, you know, but actually that was kind of true for my story because I was divorced in, in early 2015. And then I started dating my husband now in 2000. Uh, 19, we got married during the pandemic in 2020, which was real crazy, but we had an outdoor wedding at a park and it was beautiful. Um, and love him a lot. That's my husband, Steve. I've had him on my podcast a couple times. And so when I got together, he's a little bit older than I am. I said, do you want to have children? Because I would like to, to have a child. And he said, yeah, you know, I'm I'm definitely for that. And he had been single for a long time. So it's interesting, our stories, just how God bringing us together, because he had been lonely and alone for a long period of time, wondering, is this ever going to happen for me? Am I ever going to, you know, get together with someone and be married? And very, very early on in our relationship, I said, you know, is there anything else that you haven't asked me, like any deal breaker questions before we kind of move forward and do this whole dating thing? And he said, no, he said, you know, what about you? I said, well, there's something you have to know about me. You know, I'm divorced. I've I've been married before because that had never he'd never asked. It never come up. And he said, yeah, I didn't know how to tell you, but I'm divorced, too. You know, it was it was very short lived in my 20s. And so as we started to kind of trade stories, we had we had similar experiences with our exes and it's and there were just so many things that we had in common. We were both pastors, kids and both had been raised in Florida, even though we were living in Tennessee and it just a lot of different overlap in our lives in terms of uh, how we were raised and different things. So we got married in October of 2020 and decided to like, wait, a, wait a little while before we started having children. Um, and then we got pregnant uh, with our daughter about, you know, a year ago, and she was born uh, this March. So she's about three months old now. And uh, we decided to name her Faith because yeah. of just everything that that God brought us through. You know, she's she's a part of my, our testimony that she's even here uh, because 
we waited on the Lord basically um, and for him to to move in our lives. So we're just so we're so blessed and we're so happy. And I couldn't have seen this ending, um, you know, five, six years ago. I would have had no idea that it was going to end up like this and be such a beautiful thing. And I'm so glad for God's faithfulness, all that he's brought me through and just all the the ways that he has richly blessed us. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, my story is not too different from yours. Um, only I got married a year before you and <laughs> had my baby a year before you did. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, cool. That is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so now I have to ask then, how different is your marriage from the first one? Oh, wow. Um, it's night and day, I think, because we both know what it's like to be alone and to be single. See, I had gotten married um, like right out of college. So I didn't really have that experience of living by myself um, and having to make it in the world. It was more like went from parents to I had some independence, obviously, and things in college, then to being married. So having that period of singleness, of living the adult life, working the full-time job, paying the bills, doing the grocery shopping, all of that. I think my husband, Steve, and I are so appreciative of each other because we know how hard it is to do all of that stuff by yourself. So we're constantly, I think, thanking each other for the little things that we do, you know, whether it's just laundry or, you know, I, I, I said to him the other day, like, thank you for tackling the laundry, you know, because there was yeah. just so much of it. And he was like, you yeah, know, no problem. And he always thanks me for cooking dinner because he yeah. enjoys, food, you know, eating and the food and all of that. Stuff. So <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're so much more appreciative of each other and we're able to just have check-ins and communicate about, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling about this? We have times where we pray together. Um, I remember like at the end of my, you know, first marriage, I had asked, I said, can we pray about something that was going on? And he was like, no, no, I've already prayed about this. And of course, that was a big red flag to me that that wasn't a good, you know, deal. But that's something that Steve and I try to do together is really just pray through things that were going on in our lives and um, things that we, we want to seek the Lord for. So Yes, it's it's a very different experience. Tried to take everything that we learned in past relationships that didn't work and apply them to, you know, good things to our relationship. Yes, I think that's very important. <laughs> it's, yeah. 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 So you are a counselor. Did you become a counselor before, during or after when? <laughs> Yeah, so I actually became a counselor um, well before I got divorced. Um, so I became a counselor um, in, I graduated in 07, became uh, licensed in 2009, um, and then I had not gotten divorced until uh, 2015. So I had been a counselor for several years, but I at that time I was working only with children and families in more of a uh, community mental health setting. I was going out to people's homes three times a week, um, helping them with like parenting type concerns and working with school systems and different things for children who had some pretty severe mental health uh, problems. In uh, actually the year that I got divorced, an opportunity opened up for me to be a part of a group practice 
um, in private practice. So I made this huge leap to become self-employed. It was super scary uh, being on my own and feeling like I don't have anybody to fall back on or anything like that. But, you know, God just really led me in that direction. And I was clear that that was what I was supposed to be doing. And about two years later, kind of similarly, um, some circumstances happened and God was like, okay, you know, this is the time for, for you to start your counseling practice. And I had had this name um, by the well counseling that God gave to me probably like, I don't know, 10 years before I ever had a counseling practice, no lie. Um, just wrote about it in a journal one day of thinking about when I was reading about the woman at the well and just feeling like, you know, there was so much life that she had gone through and how a lot of times, you know, we're very close to the source of our own healing. Um, you know, we're a lot of times we're very close to that next thing that's going to get us um, to a place of health and we don't realize it, but like we're right next to it, you know. So for yeah. her, it was like, I'm just getting water today. But like then she has this encounter and her whole life changes, you know, so. I kind of hope that through the work that I do with clients, um, that it's that it's life changing work for them and that brings them to, a, you know, a place of healing. Yeah, I know in my own life, uh, the counseling I went through after my divorce, I spent about a year and a half in pretty, at least for me, intensive <laughs> um, yeah. counseling. And it it really just skyrocketed the amount of healing that I had, because there were so many things that came up. Like when you go through counseling, you think you're going for one thing and you're there right. to find out all the stuff underneath, yeah. <laughs> you know, that contributes and like that, like you can recognize your own fault, even if you weren't the one at fault in the marriage. Right. Like you mentioned earlier, how there were things that you could have done better. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you were at fault for the divorce. But we're all in human. Um, we're all. <laughs> I was saying we're all inhuman. We're all humans. We're all imperfect. Yeah, I didn't mention that um, earlier, but I did go to counseling, and I actually got on an antidepressant for about six months as well. Um, that was a crucial part of my healing process, and I have you know no shame about saying that I was on that medication. It was very helpful for me. I had two counselors that were particularly helpful. One actually walked me through the divorce process, and I saw her probably for about a couple of years. Um, after my divorce, you know, we started out weekly and then kind of backed it off to every other week for a little while and just kind of tapered off. But then um, several years afterwards, I had gone to a different counselor and I actually wanted to see a male therapist, which worked yeah. out well for me just to kind of like get this other sex perspective, I guess, on the situation. And I went to work with him on feeling comfortable with dating again. I was feeling just really insecure and inadequate. A lot of just, um, I had a lot of fear and anxiety come up in my body when I would try to go like out with guys and things. I couldn't feel comfortable to be myself. So we did some um, just very specific like somatic experiencing work and he helped me work through that um, before I met my husband. So those two people were, were definitely very, very helpful in my life. That's wonderful. Uh, so in your counseling, what sort of things do you treat most? Yeah, so mostly I work with people who have some form of anxiety or OCD that also um, have wounding childhood experiences. 
um, trauma that they've experienced, or sometimes it's it's not necessarily abuse. Sometimes it's the things that we didn't get as children, that feeling invisible, the lack of of support, validation, the lack of being able to talk about your feelings, those types of things. So that's why I really prefer to say, you know, childhood wounds. And I have a fully telehealth practice. So right now I can see anyone in the state of Tennessee. Um, we're working on getting a licensed professional counselor compact so that we can expand that to other states um, within our profession. But right now I see anybody in the state of Tennessee, which is really cool because I get to see people in, you know, some rural areas that don't have access to services. Um, That's great. You know, or they may have to drive very far to get them. So, Yeah. Yeah. So this seems like a good time to do a plug for your podcast then, because your podcast is also about anxiety and OCD, correct? Yes, it is. So my podcast is called Hope for Anxiety and OCD. And our goal behind the podcast is to reduce shame, increase hope, and develop healthier connections with God and others. Um, God really birthed that out of a passion of just seeing so many Christians come into therapy and feel such a sense of shame for even struggling. So I want to kind of send that message out to people. You don't have to be ashamed for having these struggles. And God meets us, you know, where we're at, just like we're talking about. God met us in in the struggle of divorce and going through that trial. God can certainly meet people in the midst of their uh, mental health struggles. And it's it's providing hope. I, I, I interview um, pastors, authors, pe- you know, just everyday people who want to share their, their testimony about anxiety or OCD um, and so forth. So it's, it's quite a mixture of different people that I get to interview. And every once in a while, I throw in a solo episode about something that I'm interested in, too. Yeah, that's great. Um, just in case uh, our audience hasn't heard exactly what shame is, how do you know that you're experiencing shame versus other normal emotions? Well, yeah, other emotions. <laughs> you know, shame, usually a lot of times there's a distinction between guilt and shame. Guilt is like when you've done something wrong and you're like, okay, I hurt someone's feelings, for example, or, you know, I committed as particular sin and we feel guilty about that. And that can be a really healthy thing. But shame is more like I am bad, you know, who I am as a person, like I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. Um I'm, you know, anything along those lines of that thought process. And typically it just feels yucky (laughs) internally. It just feels gross or just sometimes people have a hard time. Um, They may call it a self-esteem problem. You know, some people may say, oh, I have a problem with my self-esteem or I don't feel good about myself. And they're they're living in shame when you can't let go of certain life situations, whether it was a life situation or trauma that happened to you, um, something that you're a lot of times people living in shame feel responsible for something they weren't responsible for, you know, and recognizing like if you're having trouble moving past that, you may really want to get counseling for that. It can really help a lot. Um, one thing that, so my husband and I have both been through relatively traumatic things and we both can experience shame on some certain occasions. It's like certain topics bring it up. And so we can, we've helped each other recognize when we're in what we call shame mode because Mm -hmm. yeah, because we do, we, we go into that, um, like 
negativity of like, you just feel like you can't do anything right. And you're, you know, everything you do is wrong. And, um, I don't know how to explain it other than like, like you just feel like this heaviness Mm -hmm. on you. Yeah. Sometimes you can't even necessarily make another decision because the shame is so oppressive. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So I think people need to know that there is hope and that there, yes, yes, that those emotions are things that can be overcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. So many times um, we get stuck and we're in the middle of something. We can't be objective about what we're going through. It's a lot easier for me to um, even though I'm a counselor, it's sometimes I need to go to counseling because I don't have objectivity and right. I need someone who can be objective and say, Carrie, have you thought about this? Or like, I'm noticing you are speaking this way about that situation. Like, you know, it seems like maybe you feel that and just kind of reflecting some of those things back or someone to say, have you tried this? You know, I think maybe we, we need to work on that. And it's like, oh, I didn't realize that because I was in the middle of it. I couldn't take a step out and be objective and see it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So is there anything else you'd like to share with my audience? Oh, no, I I just I really hope that this interview was helpful for people and, and encourages somebody out there. And, you know, I always we always love to hear those stories. So I want them to, you know, if they're listening to this and they're really encouraged by it, they can find you online or find me online and, and let us know that this, you know, it encouraged you. Absolutely. Yeah. OK, well, thank you so very much for coming on here and talking with me today. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Lori, for having me. If you are a Christian who has been through a divorce, stay tuned for our next season, Christians Healing After Divorce, starting in January of 2023. Thank you for listening to A Voice for the Hurting. You can find information on today's guest in the description below, plus links to follow A Voice for the Hurting on Facebook and Instagram. Join us next week for more inspiring stories to strengthen you on your journey.